All right, and good morning to you from this side of the pew and chairs, and we're glad that you have come. What a great crowd today. i got to tell you what happened. I know we're way behind schedule today, and I will do very as much as I can to keep it moving so we can get out at a reasonable time. So I want you to know I value your time is why I tell you that. But i got to tell you this, too. So, so Bill grabbed me and said, hey, do we have any offer envelopes? Like, that implies we need some, you know, and I'm all about, you know, offer envelopes. And so I said, well, we can go to the office and look. And so we're going up the connector. Y'all know what the connector is, the one that connects this building and that building. And here comes this gaggle of children. And I'm just like, I am like, Bill, look at this. Bill, look at this. And I mean, they kept coming and coming and coming. And then I walked in back here, and they're up here singing. I'm just telling you what, we're blessed. Is that what I'm trying to tell you? Yeah. I, I still remember. Listen, I still remember somebody saying, we don't have any kids at Dorisville. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. They don't know it, okay? But we are so blessed. I mean, and again, the, the pleas for service, I know it's difficult sometimes, but, but whether it be All-Star or whether it be Judgment House or whether it be the Fortress, whatever it might be, all those things we have because we're involved, we, you know, we're up to our eyeballs in ministry and service, and we want to encourage you to come. And in a weird way, that's the intro to the message. In a, in a strange way, it's called Best Laid Plans, and we wanted to talk about planning. This is our last a message in our Redeeming the Time um, series. We talked about how we can make 24 better than 23. And I'll guarantee of all the ones we taught, this has the potential of being the biggest in your life. And that is how can we plan in a spiritual way uh, to be more in 24. Uh, gee, that rhymed. More in 24 than we were in 23. So then we got the sermon title, Best Laid Plans. It started in 1785. Go ahead, that's good, Nancy. And, and Robert Burns wrote, The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And that was from a poem, I think it said, I think the title was To the Mouse or something. But here's what's really funny. To show you that that's really true, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. So two weeks ago, I'm in man time, you know, I'm sitting there and John Carr is teaching. And I really try to find original stuff and to somebody else, you know, wouldn't use and that kind of thing. I, this has got to be safe. I mean, no one knows who Robert Burns is, and probably have, may have heard that, that quote before. I don't know. Well, here comes John Carr going, well, tonight I want to teach, and I want to start with an the introduction. There's a guy named Robert Burns in 1785, and he said, the best man. I'm just over there laughing. I say, John, you're stealing my invitation, my, my introduction to my sermon. See, the best laid plans of mice and men, sometimes they go awry. But here's the big truth. Here's the point. Look. No matter how well, and if you're taking notes, you're going to circle the words, we plan. No matter how well we plan, things can and will go wrong. Isn't that true? As we look at 2024, whether it be you know, what you're planning at school or whether you're planning at work, whatever it might be, our plans can get messed up. They can go crossways with the reality, okay? But watch this, newsflash, God's plan, okay, now about now you pause and you go, wait, we plan God's plan. That's right. God's plan is infinitely better than the one you've been working on. So no matter what you've got planned out for this year, hey, students, no matter what you're planning in your life this year, okay, no matter how you're doing life this year, no matter what you've planned, i got a big newsflash for you. God's got a better plan. God's got a better, better plan. It was A.W. Tozer that said something so, so appropriate. He said, God is looking for people through whom he can do what? The impossible. The impossible. Our God is so big. And, and you know what? That's a plural there. You know, people, it's individuals. God is looking for men 
God is looking for women, and guess what? God is looking for students, okay, that he can do the impossible through them. He wants to, like, like, like the Virgin Mary, like Elijah, like Abraham, like David, like Peter, like Paul, like you, and like me. He wants to use people to do the impossible. But also, that's a plural word, he's looking for churches that he can do the impossible. Churches that he can do the impossible. But the problem is, and David Tozer continues, what a pity, what a pity we plan only things we can do by ourselves. And that's the tragedy of Western Christianity. You know, there's only two continents in the world where Christianity is on the decline. You probably know what they are. Number one is Western Europe. Number two is North America. All over the world, including Muslim cultures, Christianity, the gospel is spreading and growing. The problem is we're so talented and so rich in our ministries um, here in the, the United States, God could not show up and we wouldn't know the difference. We got very talented, and not speaking to myself, trust me, but we got speakers who can stand up with all the right illustrations and all this stuff, you know, and everybody claps and goes, wow. We got praise bands that can do a great job, you know, no matter what's in their hearts that matter, all right? We got those things going on. We're so talented, we think in the church, we don't need God. And let me tell you something, you can preach a good sermon and you can put on a good show, but without God, nothing's going to happen. Without God, nothing is going to happen. So look, he's looking for folks that can do the impossible, but it's a pity that we only plan things that we can do. Someone once said, if we can explain it, God didn't do it. If we can explain I want, I want, I want God to do things in our midst. Talking about Dorisville Baptist Church. I want God to do things in our midst that cannot be explained by natural means. That's, a, that's just a great thing. And what we need then is we need people then who will step up and allow God to work in their lives and in their plans for 2024. And that's what we want to look at today. We want to look at uh, four groups of people and how they plan. And almost every, no, no, every one of them besides the last one has, you know, God excluded to one degree or another. We start out in Luke chapter 12, verse 19, 20. You know the story. Um, Jesus is telling a parable. He says, so there's this farmer and he did, boy, it was his year. The rain was right. The sun was right. The seed was right. Everything was right. And it was a bumper, bumper, bumper crop. And so he had all this. I mean, he suddenly became a very wealthy man. Um, And so, so he's got all these crops and he don't know what to do with them. The, The harvest far exceeded his storage capabilities. So he thought for a moment, and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down these barns, these perfectly good barns, but they're too small. We're going to tear these barns down, and I'm going to build bigger barns. And then he said this. He said, I'll say to myself, you have many good years, or excuse me, many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. So in this abundance of crops, his answer to the abundance was not to share, okay? The answer to his abundance was build bigger barns so that he could sit back and take it easy. Now, he was wrong, and you're going to hear it twice because it's important, okay? He's wrong in one thing. He equated many goods to many years. He thought because he had a lot of stuff, he was going to live a lot of years, 
And don't we often do that? We work our lives, and, and, we, and we amass, and we amass, and we amass, and we just assume that means that, that in our later years, or nowadays, later years, hmm, some people are retiring at 50, 55 years old, and they've got amassed all this stuff, and they say, now I can sit back and relax. But look what happens. In verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. See, God points out that, no, 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 much stuff don't equate to much years. And God called him what? A fool, a fool. Now, there's two postscripts that I don't have on, on the sermon sheet, on, on the note sheet there. Number one is, you know, Jesus said to the crowd there that day after he told this story, you know, he said, I got a question for you. Who gets all the stuff? This dude's going to die tonight. Who's going to get the stuff? And the answer is always the same. What is it? Somebody else. Somebody else. So we work and we work and we work, and then we pull it all in and say, now I'm going to sit back and enjoy it, eat, drink, and be merry. And who? And then you die. Who gets the stuff? Maybe your kids, maybe your grandkids, or maybe the federal government. But the bottom line is, it won't be you. And then the second tagline that Jesus throws out and says is this. That's how it is when someone is rich toward themselves and not toward God. So, so when we choose to plan ahead and exclude God, that's the end of the story. Someone gets our stuff, not us, not us. So what's our teaching point say? Our teaching point says this. Our foolish planner thought that a lot of stuff meant a lot of time. Now, now write this down. I'm going to put it real plain for you now. A lot of money does not mean a lot of years. A lot of money does not mean a lot of years, okay? And that's why God called him a fool. He was wrong and God was right. He was wrong in thinking money equaled years and God was right. It was a very foolish thing. So as we move forward in 2024, okay, and you've got, you know, whatever you have, all right, it's so important that you don't let that become your God. It's so important that as you plan the future, you include God in those plans, whatever it means. You know, I like Dave Ramsey. Don't agree with everything he does or says, um, but I love the fact that he says this. One of the reasons he feels like we ought to amass wealth is so that we can live like no one else and give like no one else. And so perhaps, perhaps you're in a situation and you have amassed a good, uh, you know, a good amount of wealth. Perhaps God's put you now in that place so you can give it away, give it away. But guess what? Guess what? Perhaps God's put you where you are right now so you can give yourself away. You can work in all-star. You can work in the fortress. You can work in Judgment House. You can work here at Dorisville Baptist Church on Sundays. You know, perhaps you've amassed your life so you can give it away. Don't be foolish. Don't think God's let you live this long and amass this stuff just so you consume it on yourself. Okay? Let's rather say, God... What do you want us to do? And that's the second, our third point in just a moment. Okay? So here's the deal. All right? So our teaching point, uh, I'm sorry, our, our second point, getting a little fast ahead of myself, is ridiculous planning. We have foolish planning, but this is ridiculous planning. Look what it says here. Now, now the setup, and again, we're not going to take it out of context, but the setup is, you know, Jesus has said, you know, if you're going to follow me, this is what it takes. He even says, this is one of the times he says, you know, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And then he says this and says, so which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. 
In other words, you don't start building a house and you go down to Barnes or, or you know, Home Depot or someplace and you've got $300 and, and you buy $300 materials and you set it in your yard and it sits there because you have no money to go any further. And, he, and Jesus said, men don't do that. Women don't do that. You don't build houses like that. You have a plan. So he says, you know, the natural, the natural sequence of things is that we sit down, we hit the pause button, and then we count the cost. Now, I'm going to flip this over just a little bit for us today. And here it is. God is telling us to count the cost. Not of building a building, but of leaving him out. God is bringing us to this point not to build a building, but he's saying you need to count the cost. What is the cost when you plan 2024 and exclude God? The cost is great. The cost is great. When we choose to exclude God, things can go south very, very quickly. So we want to rather, we want to rather, we want to hit the pause button and we want to say, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do in your kingdom work? There's room for retirement. There's room for activities. That's not a problem. But God, what do you want me to do with a chunk and purpose of my life. Our teaching point says this. While we are all invited to follow Christ, there's a price to consider. See, we sell this gospel in America. I call it maybe the Walmart version, um, the, the uh, Big Lots version of the gospel. And, and we invite a person without any really understanding you know, to pray a prayer. And uh, we promise them that they won't get sick and all these different things of the prosperity gospel and all of that stuff. And then, and then we don't train them. We don't disciple them either. And so consequently, they grow up anemic if they grow at all, if they grow at all. You know, most Christians today, excuse me for being blunt, most Christians today in Western culture have this mentality. I, I trusted Jesus now. I want to live well, I want to die easy, and I want to go to heaven. That's how most people define their Christianity. We forget where Jesus said, you've got to take up your cross, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Yes, you may live well, and yes, you may die easy, and yes, if you trust Jesus sincerely, you will go to heaven. But you've got to understand something, there is a price to consider. Following him doesn't cost something. No, it costs everything. It costs everything. When you, when you follow Christ, you are his. You are his. Now, when we think about it costs everything, we, I don't know what we think about. Oh, Dwayne, you're saying I gave all my money away, I gave my car away. No, no, and no. I'm not saying that. Because your version of everything and God's version of everything are different. See, it... It costs you everything, but in, this, in return, you gain the same. And I promise you this. Look, your everything is small compared to God's everything. Oh, he wants to bless you. I'm not saying, listen, no, 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 no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. say, Oh, prosperity gospel. You know, I, I just guarantee you, boy, if I go down to Huck's and buy me a lottery ticket, I'm going to win. Yeah, I doubt that. No, the everything I'm talking about is peace, joy understanding eternal life here and eternal life in a place called heaven it's ridiculous it's ridiculous to plan a life without god if you're a jesus follower today you got to include jesus in your planning you got to include jesus in your planning he wants to bless you 
but that takes our service and our obedience. Then our third thing is James chapter 4, verse 13. And I call this wise planning, but I call it worldly wise planning. Now, if you're a business person, this is going to make total sense to you. Total sense. Now, James, of course, is that half-brother of Jesus. I always think that would be very interesting. You know, having Jesus as big brother, never did anything wrong. You know, look here, James says. You who say today or tomorrow, so there's a, notice, notice the promise, there's an urgency here. You know, this guy's saying, listen, time is money. Let's don't wait a week, let's don't wait a month, let's get on the road, okay? Time is money. Today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town. So you're going to, he, this man's going to pick a place where profitability is almost certain, okay? We're going to a certain town and we'll stay there how long? A year, really? You got a year? Do you know you've got five minutes or not? No, we don't know that. We don't know that. But this guy said, hey, listen here. We'll stay there a year, and we will do business there, and we're going to make a profit. Great business plan. A great way, perhaps, to do business, especially if you're one of those type A personalities. But the bottom line is, it's a great way to do business, terrible way to do life if you're a Jesus follower. What's missing there? God's missing. God's missing. His focus and his thought strictly is, we're going to make money. We're going to get more so we can have more. We're going to make more so we can have more. And it's totally missing what God wants to do. Our teaching point is this. The truth is, we don't know to way, the way to go. We don't know always what path will take the best for us. We don't know that, okay? Or if there'll even be a tomorrow. We don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. We're not guaranteed that, Okay. It seems wise, then, to turn to the one who knows best. Let me tell you this. God knows where you ought to go. God knows what you ought to do. And God knows how many tomorrows you've got. Trust him. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You trust him with your soul. You're, you're, you're counting on his blood to keep you out of hell. Can you trust him with your tomorrows? Can you, can you trust him with your time? And with your calendar, calendar and your abilities, I, I think the answer almost certainly has to be yes. All right, so we finally get then down to the one thing that matters. It's, it's wise planning, but it's godly wise planning. Now, you need to write this one down. James says in 4.15, what you ought to say is this. Not, we shouldn't say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain place, we're going to do business, and we're going to make a profit. No. Rather... What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wants us to. You know, at what point have you... Hey, students, let me ask you a question. At what point have you said that to God? If the Lord wants us to. How many of you have said in your calendar, in your life so far, or maybe in your major, have said, if the Lord wants me to, I'll do this or that? Yeah, have you said That's cool, dude. But you know what? The truth is, most of us haven't. Most of us say, hey, this is what I want to do. Okay, so it's so important. Listen, you've got to, listen, can we be honest? There's a whole lot more days that way for me than there is that way. Okay, you've got your whole life, however long or short it is, based on God. Okay, but you've got your whole life ahead of you. Can I encourage you to do something? Find out what he wants. Find out what he wants. What, I know mom's got plans for you and dad's got plans, and I wouldn't override them for nothing. But as your pastor, let me whisper in your ear, 
You need to find out what God wants you to do. And then you need to do it. You need to. Man, when you find the purpose in your life, when you find the purpose in your life and you do that, it changes everything. It changes everything. So let me encourage you to do that. We ought to say, you know, we ought to say, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and we'll do this and we'll do that. You know, here's the deal. Yeah, I mention my sister a lot these days because it's very close to my heart. I've not, I've not had a relative, a, a immediate family with this terminal cancer thing. Uh, we've had, you know, Judy's got loved ones that are old and some of them are bed fast. But it's not like a terminal. One day they're going home, but, but unless something happens, my sister, weeks or months, is going to die and go, go to eternity. And I just love her faith. Because the first thing out of her mouth was this, you know, if the Lord wants us to, we will live. She said, Dwayne, it's got to be the garden. It's got to me as terminal pancreatic cancer. It's got to be me saying, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will. Hey, God, if you want to heal me, I am all set for a miracle. But God, if you don't, it's okay. I'm willing to trust you with my eternity and my future. And I want you guys to be able to say that. I want you to be able to say that. I want you to say, God, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm willing to trust you with my future. I want all of you that are Jesus followers, I want you to be able to say that. If, if the Lord wants us, we will live. And by the way, not only will we live, while we live, we're going to do what he wants us to do. And that's a game changer. It's, it's, so, it's so monstrously huge for us. Now, here's, here's we're going to look at two things real quick. And number one is we're going to look at when we choose to exclude God. What does it look like? You, some of us know, don't we? You know, what does it look like when we exclude God from our plans? Some of you can look back in 2023 and you know exactly what it looks like. Some of you have already started 2024 and you know exactly what it looks like. Can I be honest with you? Your pastor knows what it looks like. There have been plans and things I've done that excluded God. Come on. I'm human like you are. Put my pants on one leg at a time, just like y'all do. If you wear pants. Remember, this is what it looks like if you exclude God. Remember, James, the half-brother of Jesus says, it is what? What is it? Come on. What is it? It's sin. It's sin. It is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So, so when, God, when God whispers in your ear, the whisperer whispers, and he whispers in your ear and says, hey, I want you to do this, and you say, not today, what's that called? It's called sin. If God wants you to give something, and let's take it outside Dorsville. God's laid on your heart to, to bless fortress, okay, and you don't do it, what's it called? Sin. When God calls you to serve and you don't serve, you said, not today, God, what is that called? It's called sin. It's called sin. So, so when we know what we ought to do and we don't do it, it's called sin. It's called sin. Okay? So that's what a lack of planning that includes God looks like. It looks like sin. And sin is always so messy. Sin is always... There's always these stinking things called consequences. And then there's these things called regrets. And it's just kind of like this foggy weather we had two days ago. It's just yucky. Now I try not to... I have to stop and chuckle. I almost said, I try not to complain too much. What are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, Kathy, was that you laughing? Was that you laughing? <laughs> yeah, the truth is, I'm a pretty good complainer. 
I just am. But, but you know, we, we, got to, we got to just say, God, I'll just trust you with it. Don't complain. Just say, God, I'll trust you with it. So that's what happens. It gets messy if we exclude God. But what does it look like if we include God? Well, let's look at another verse. This is Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your actions to the Lord. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. What? I mean, hey, you don't get that offer very often. You know, when you have an investor, he'll do his very best. If it's got your interest in mind, he will do his very best to, to help your, your portfolio to grow. Okay? But this is a guarantee. God says, hey, it's a promise. And I think it's one we can claim, even though it's in Proverbs. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. I wrote this down. I have to read it because I wrote it this morning. You know, we can do our thing. We can do our thing, our way, and ask God to bless the mess. We can do our thing, our way, and ask God to bless the mess. And trust me, it will be messy. It will be messy. Or, or we can do his thing, his way, and he will bless it. I love it. We are so good at this, churches. We'll make the most stupid decisions financially or in other ways, you know. And then we, oh, God, please bless this. And what we're really saying is, bless our mess, God. And God's up there going, uh, why don't you ask me first, and I'll give you wise counsel. And does it happen in families? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it really does. So, so we've, got to, we've got to be willing to include God, okay, Commit your actions to the Lord, and his, your plans will succeed, and not exclude God, where it says, remember it is sin to know what to do, and then not to do it. So that leads us into our last scripture, Psalm 37, 23. This is, a, this is my favorite verse, okay, y'all know that, but it's a different translation, so I have to read it because it's different. But I like what it said. Um, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. The Lord, what would life be like in 2024 if we honestly, somebody say honestly. What if we honestly ask God, God, would you direct my steps? How different would 24 be than 23? Hey, students, let me ask you a question. So, so you're, you're sitting there and you've got these 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years laying in front of you. Okay, now here's an incredible promise from God. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Would you rather do those decades without his direction or with his direction? Yeah, I, you know, we've kind of messed the world up for you guys. It's a crazy world. It, it really is. And, and it lays at the feet of the baby boomers. So if you're going to face this challenge that it is, Again, it's so much easier and makes more sense with God. And here's the promise. Again, you know, God directs your steps. God directs your steps. And look, look, look at the second sentence. He delights. He delights in every detail of your life. So here's God. God's got this great plan for your life, and it's so good, he delights in it. You know, have you ever, have you ever brought a present for somebody, and you just couldn't wait for them to open it, and you're just like almost giddy, you know? That's how God is with a plan for your life. He's got this great plan for your life, and he cannot wait for you to do it, to be obedient and open the present and see what he has for you. And what he has for you is better than anything you could dream up. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20 says, to him who's able to do more than we could ever imagine or ever dream. And he's got this life for you, but it begins with trusting him. 
believing. Now, now we'll leave the students and all the rest of us. Hey, hey, Christ followers. Hey, Christ followers. He directs the steps of the godly. And he delights in every detail, every detail of this death. So, here's our teaching point. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. But look at this. Have you ever thought of this? And so does the enemy. God's not the only one with a plan for your life. Your enemy, don't look at your wife. She's not the enemy. Okay? (laughs) She's not the enemy. No, no, no. God has a plan for your life, but so does the enemy. Listen to this, listen to this. Here's the verse I love. I know it's written to the nation of Israel. It's written while they're coming out of captivity. I get all of that. I do not think it's ungodly or unbiblical to take this and move it up to 2024 until our lives, understanding it was spoken to Israel, but it's a principle that applies to us. Got it? Okay, here we go. For I know, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God's got planned for you. Hey, I, listen, I, I know the plans. I know it. Listen, I know the plans. And there, there are plans that are going to prosper you and not harm you to give you hope and a future. Woohoo! Who doesn't want that? But then there's the enemy. So I said, what would we do if we took 2911 and read it as if Satan spoke it? Because you need to know the enemy's your enemy. Well, here's what his would say. Here's Satan's 2911. For I know the plans I have for you, he would say, plans to bring famine and to harm you, to destroy your family. To destroy your character and to harm you. Plans to give you hopelessness and blight. Now, which one do you want? Do you want God's version? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Or would you like Satan's version, which is, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring famine and to harm you. Plans to give you hopelessness and blight. Jesus said this way. The thief comes to... Still, kill, and destroy. And what did Jesus say? I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Which one you want? You've got to trust God then. You've got to be willing to trust God. Now, the last part of 37.24 says this. Though they, I love this. Though they stumble. Now, if you've not, if you've not figured out yet, we stumble. Students, we stumble. You're going to stumble in life. You're going to stumble. Adults, we're going to stumble in life. Those of us with gray hair, no hair, we're going to stumble in life. But I love this. You'll never fall. That's a, that's a great offer. You'll never fall. For the Lord holds you by the hand. Man, you're on your way down. And God says, listen, shh, 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 listen. Gotcha. Whoops, whoops, whoops. gotcha. God will grab you before you hit the ground. Come on. Now, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. And that's the God we serve. That's just the way the God is that we serve. You know, Lecrae is a uh, hip-hop artist, black hip-hop artist. 
but he's a Christian. I mean, but here's the deal. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, everybody's a Christian when you put them in front of a camera. We're going to see that Super Bowl. All the guys, all the guys, you know. No, Lecrae's really a Christian. <laughs> and uh, here's what he said. And by the way, I apologize for the misspelled word there. I saw it this morning. I went, oh, man, my perfectionism kicked in. You know, guilt says you failed. Anybody felt that way before? Yeah, you get all guilty. I failed. How can God love me? How can I be a Christian? I failed. You know, shame says you're a failure. Then it changes from an action to an identity. You know, you're a failure. You're a failure. Okay? But look what Lecrae said. Grace says your failures are what? Forgiven. That's a better future, guys. That's a better future. And it's funny because it doesn't depend on how rich or how poor, what skin color, what social status, you know, where you fit in the pecking order at, at HHS or the middle school. None of that matters. You know, you may say you, you, know, you failed and shame may say you're a failure, but God will, God will never say that. He will say your failures are forgiven. So what are you going to do with 2024? We're at the end of the series. I hope I'm going to give you five sermons that at least some of it um, helped you, will help you through 2024. This is a big one. Um, as you're planning out your e- year, whether it's day by day, how many minutes are in a day? Judy's got it. Yeah, I heard other people too. 1440. 1440. You get that? Okay, if God gives you all of it, you get all of that. The richest guy gets that. The poorest guy gets that. We all get 1440 if God gives us the whole day. So what are you going to do with that? I just hope this. I hope you'll yeah. I hope you'll commit today. Say, God, not one of those minutes while I live without you. I want you. The last song we sang with the little tag there. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Wherever He leads, I'll go. I hope you'll do that this year, students. I hope you'll do that. If you don't remember anything from Dorisville, whether who taught it, it doesn't matter. I hope the God thing you'll take away is that God, wherever you lead me, I'll go. I hope you'll take that with you. Let's pray together. Hey, God, you've been good today. Thank you so much. Been a full day. Um, Thank you for that. Thank you for the kids and all we had. And I want to pray right now, Lord, that you will speak to the hearts of of people. Um, Pray, Lord, as we go into our our decision time, as the altar is opened up, if people need to come and pray, they'll pray. If decisions need to be made, you'll have them come down and take Brent by the hand and say, hey, this is something I need to do today um, for you. This is how I want to respond to the word that we heard today. Father, however you want to use this time, we say unequivocally, it is yours. And we want to say, wherever you lead, we want to go. And Jesus, I do pray this in your precious name. Amen and amen.